You're listening to the Live Free Now podcast, bringing you the news, views, tips, and tools you can use to live a free, prosperous, and healthy life. Find us online at livefreenow.show. And now your host, John Bush. Hey friends, John Bush here with the Live Free Now show. Today I'll be bringing you the audio from a presentation I gave on Kratom and CBD at the 2020 Survival Podcast Workshop. I talk about Kratom, CBD, how they work, their many benefits. I share some personal stories and some really strong stories from some people that are close to me. And I also talk about why the government does not like these two plant medicines, especially Kratom, and some of my experience trying to get around their their chicanery as a Kratom vendor. It was really great to talk to this crowd. I have many clients in the Survival Podcast community. Jack Spearco had me on his show. You can find the show at thesurvivalpodcast.com, thesurvivalpodcast.com. It was about a year ago. We talked for a full hour all about Kratom, and a lot of people are interested. They've since become regular clients of mine. So it was great to connect with some of these people. And then the whole preparedness survival crowd, Kratom's a great fit. A lot of people are all about self-sufficiency, not just like getting off the grid and being prepared for disaster, but also being uh, self-sufficient when it comes to health and natural health and not being dependent on pharmaceuticals. So the audience was super interested. Not to mention, it's also good for like a bug out bag or if shit hits the fan and you twist your ankle, you can use Kratom to help with pain. Or if you got a bug out, things are really overwhelming, intense. The green varieties, the white varieties can help help give you an extra little boost, help take the edge off. So I think it was a great fit for the crowd, and I really enjoyed connecting with all these folks and super passionate about Kratom. So anytime I get to speak to people about it, it's always a plus for me. I do want to say this was recorded live, and I did get a new microphone for my phone, but the audio quality isn't um, 100%. I'm an audiophile. I try to make sure the quality is the best as it can be when I deliver these podcasts. So bear with me on that, and just remember the most important part is the content, right? I think the quality, it, it'll it'll do. You guys will enjoy the content on this podcast. If you haven't yet, you can take advantage of our free ounce offer, freeounceofkratom.com, freeounceofkratom.com. All you got to do is pay $5 shipping and handling. We'll send you a free ounce of green mangda. You also have an opportunity to try the four other strains for 50% off. So there's all sorts of different benefits, and a lot of people are super satisfied the first time they try this amazing product. So check that out at freeounceofkratom.com. Okay, without further ado, this is the talk I gave at the 2020 Survival Podcast Workshop all about Kratom and CBD. My name is John, in case you hadn't heard enough from me today. Um, I'm super excited to share with you guys something that I'm very passionate about, primarily because I'm an activist, I like to help people, and I've seen firsthand how Kratom and CBD have dramatically affected and improved people's lives for the better. But also, because I'm an activist and a libertarian and anarchist, I really love selling Kratom to a whole lot of people because the government hates it, doesn't want you to try it. Just got a no-no from Mark Zuckerberg yesterday about a Kratom thing. It's like Kratom's health benefits. It lists out all this stuff. It was from 2018. And Zuckerberg was like, no, 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 no. Naughty, naughty. (laughs) So I haven't done a lot of videos on my YouTube and Facebook about Kratom lately because there was a video called Kratom, It's Many Benefits and Why the Government Wants to Ban It. And it was on my friend Derek Rose's Conscious Resistance Network. And we got a little 
strike for that. It was one of three strikes. He ended up getting three strikes, and the whole page got taken down. They were just looking for stuff. So I'm putting this out to the world with slight risk, but whatever. You only live once. I can't even literally put my website URL on Facebook or I get banned for seven or 30 days. But whatever. Um, so I this is a very hands-on experience. We are going to be dusting ourselves with Kratom powder. It's part of this ritual. That <laughs> There are some Kratom samples over here. And if those get drank, then we can mix up some more. But I'd like to invite folks that haven't tried it to take some sips. It's the equivalent of about one teaspoon for 12 ounces, maybe a little less, which is a mild to moderate amount to take. But it's a, it's not a full 12 ounces. So if you were to drink that, should be fine. Nothing crazy is going to happen. We're also going to be sampling some CBD. Okay. I can pass this around with germs and health conscious. Just make sure that you keep it far away from your mouth. And make sure you don't mix it up with the vial of acid that will also be going around. <laughs> we turn in a really wild party. And then finally, this is something that I just started offering. It's called Delta 8 THC. So I also want to sample this out. It is a vape pen. It's mine. I don't normally do the vape. I did bring some alcohol wipes, which are supposed to kill COVID, they say. Kratom doesn't kill coronavirus. FDA, we're going to get that clear. Nobody's making that claim. So that's a thing we're going to do also if you want to. I think it should be fine if you wipe it off with alcohol. Just use your best judgment. Okay. Again, the Kratom's right there if anybody wants to help themselves. So I have been in the Kratom business for over three years now. And the first experience that I had selling Kratom was at a bookstore that I used to run called Brave New Books. It was in underground in a basement. We had anti-government books, conspiracy books, all sorts of good stuff, all the classics. None dare call it conspiracy, Creature from Jekyll Island. But for the most part, people didn't buy the books. We sold health products, and that's what kept the business afloat. And we had multivitamins, oil, silver, all sorts of stuff. And over in the corner was Kratom. One of my friends packaged and sold Kratom. Now, it didn't really sell. It was just there. It only started selling when the federal government, the DEA, tried to ban it in 2016. Then it was like, wait a second, what's that all about? And everyone was all interested all of a sudden. And it piqued my interest, like, oh, the government wants to ban it. There be something, must be something there. And so while other Kratom businesses that have been in the industry for years and years, they were afraid and they shut down. And they were like, we can't risk having Kratom on our shelves if the government makes it a Schedule One felony, federal felony. Me being an activist, understanding how the law works, I knew that it wasn't going to be illegal until they declared it illegal. So I kept in line with it. I followed up and I expanded and stepped into Kratom. And it wasn't before long that Kratom was the number one generator of revenue for our brick and mortar business. Well, we, the landlord chose not to renew our lease for a variety of reasons. And um, I was like, what am I going to do? I got two kids, don't have this bookstore. So I leaned into the Kratom. And it was something that I became passionate about because in my experience, I started to learn how it was really dramatically changing people's lives. I'm super passionate about entrepreneurship as well. And because of the success of my business, it's enabled me to spend more time on the freedom cell thing and sharing my gifts and my love of liberty with the world. 
And I'm happy to announce that the past few months, I'm making the same amount of revenue without a store that I was with the store. So that's super exciting because the store was a pain in the ass and it wasn't good for family time with dad and stuff. So one of the big stories that stuck with me and led me to believe like, wow, what, this is some powerful stuff is a, a woman in California, an older lady, a grandmother. She had been using Percocet for years and years and years. And she would constantly try to quit. And when she would try to quit, she would experience withdrawal symptoms and she would go back to the Percocet. Well, she learned about Kratom. She ordered some from our store and she reported that she was able to quit the Percocet entirely in like two to three days with little to no withdrawal symptoms. And she called and thanked me and was like practically in tears. And it was a really powerful thing for me. And I was like, wow, this is not just something that you take because it feels good. It's like, this is really giving people their lives back. She said that she wasn't able to keep up with her grandkids. They, they, she had four grandkids she took care of and they would be junk bouncing off the wall. She would be in her room on her bed, like shaking uncontrollably. She was so messed up on the Percocet and it gave her a life back. It gave her the ability to play with her grandchildren. And in stories like this, this is why the government was unsuccessful in banning it because the DEA was like, we're going to add a schedule one. It has no medicine, medicinal use. It's a terrible, scary thing. That's causing all sorts of harm. It's boogeyman like Al Qaeda. Remember that? Whatever happened to terrorism, right? We got a new boogie, invisible boogeyman, the Rona. And so whenever they tried to ban it, they awoke a sleeping giant of people that never thought they would call their Congress critters, that never would go to a protest at the Capitol building. And tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people woke up and rose up and they encouraged their Congress folks, over 50 of them and over 10 U.S. senators, which is a pretty big deal, signed a letter to the DEA saying, don't ban Kratom. So it really helps a whole lot of people. I'm going to talk a little bit more about why the government wants to ban Kratom, what that's been like here in a sec, and the FDA propaganda. Doctors talking about the conspiracy and stuff. It's the same damn conspiracy against this, this plant. And so what is Kratom? Kratom is a member of the coffee family, although it has no caffeine. It's made from the powderized leaves of the Kratom evergreen tree, which is grown primarily in Southeast Indo Indonesia, Southeast Asia. We import ours from Indonesia. There's a few different distinct varieties. There's red, white, green. There's also yellow and gold, but they're just kind of variations. The red varieties help people mostly with chronic pain, relaxation. They help people with sleep. This is the red varieties. The colors come from the distinct color of the veins and the leaf and the leaves themselves. The ones that are more red have a tendency to be slightly more sedative, help with pain. A lot of people take red kratom instead of prescription pain medicine or in order to help them fall asleep. There's white varieties on the opposite side of the spectrum. These tend to be a little more uplifting, energetic, good for motivation, good for focus and energy. I uh, historically would mainly take the white variety as an entrepreneur. I drink some yerba mate in the morning, sometimes coffee. We drink coffee more dedicated soon. And around noon or so, my brain would start to get a little foggy and maybe the caffeine was starting to wear out, right? And so I would have some Kratom and it would just sharpen my focus. It would get me through the fogginess and it would help like motivate me like, all right. I would also take it like if I have a whole mountain of tasks, different elements and all the different hats that I got to wear. So that's the white varieties. It's also good as a social lubricant. So the doctor was sharing with us earlier that alcohol is poison. 
And I was thinking, I wonder what everyone's thinking. It's just been drowning themselves in alcohol this weekend, right? One more night. One more night, <laughs> and then we'll quit. But he pointed out he has a drink occasionally, too. It's all about balance, right? Well, for folks, their relationship with alcohol is out of balance. A lot of people have found success drinking freedom for a variety of reasons. Chief among them, you can still drink it. And one of the things that's awkward for me if I try to be sober, I don't drink very often. I've had maybe like seven or eight beers here, and I'll have like two, and I'll be like, should I do the three and go over the edge and really party hard on that third one? <laughs> um, my girlfriend did struggle with alcohol. I'm going to share her story earlier. Kratom helped her, but back at home, I'm in solidarity with her because we don't want to go to our favorite restaurant. I'm like, dang, these Mex new Mexican martinis are so damn good. <laughs> so I quit to help her, but Kratom did help her. But why it helps is because when I'd be sober at a party, drunk people kind of annoy me. Not this yeah. crowd, of course. These are lovely people, but it's like, ah, what's, ah, I'm not vibing on this. And then everyone's drinking and they have cups in their hands. So you could do the same thing with a cup and you could drink it. So it's still that same habit, that same pattern, right? You just replace the variables. Not only that, it helps to take the edge off. That's people say that Kratom's a good social lubricant, right? Alcohol is the go-to social lubricant throughout the world. Kratom's a social lubricant also. And in fact, uh, historically in Southeast Asia, rather than sitting around the fire, watching the game, drinking a beer, the folks after a long day of working in the fields or the farm, they would make brew Kratom tea and sit around the fire and just kind of relax. It helps to take the edge off. A lot of people turn to alcohol too because they're stressed and anxious. This, you can, it has the same effect of taking the edge off. Like when you're stressed and you have that first drink of beer or you pour up that whiskey, it's like, you know that feeling, right? I like to say it takes the edge off. Kratom does the same thing, but it's not poison. So to use the doctor's words. And then the green variety, it's kind of in the middle of the spectrum. It's uplifting, good for motivation. It really takes the edge off. It also helps with pain as well. This is the one that we give away as part of our free ounce offer because it's the most versatile. A smaller amount is a little bit of a boost, a little bit of taking the edge off. A larger amount may help with pain. This one is more euphoric than the other ones. So a lot of people are like, Kratom doesn't get you, doesn't it get you high? I was doing a march. We helped to organize a march in 2016 in Austin. And we're like marching down, free Kratom, free Kratom, don't ban Kratom. And I noticed all the people on the street were like, what the hell is Kratom? So I took it upon myself to linger behind the march. Like, hey, have you heard of Kratom? Here's what it's all about. We're trying to keep it legal, blah, blah, blah. And this one guy was like, well, that sounds cool. Does it get you high? And I was like, yeah, you know, a little, little bit, you know, if you maybe could say that it gets you high, just super subtle. And this woman was like, we don't say that in the Kratom community. That gives us a bad look. There's all these Karens in the Kratom community. <laughs> it's, so uh, I'll talk about that in a sec too, maybe too. But um, this, the green variety does have a little subtle euphoria, right? And so if you, it's all about how you engage with it. So a smaller amount takes the edge off lightly. A larger amount if you're feeling real stressed or like I, I used Kratom in larger amounts when I was going through a divorce and it really helped me through it when I was like, this is really fucking bad. This is bad for kids. What am I doing? What's happening to my family? You're in that mindset and then you, and I'm like, I need to drink a glass of Kratom and it helps to take the edge off, but it also just, just uplifts you. Somebody said earlier, it reminds me of being a kid again. And so it like just, not only does it change the way you feel and it takes away that physiological tension. But it also kind of shifts your perspective into a better mood where you're thinking more positively, not so stressed out. So that's green, uh, red, and white. Um, let me share about my first time taking Kratom. 
So even though I sold it, I didn't take it regularly. And then when the government tried to ban it, I was like, maybe there's something to it. So I took some, I took a decent amount and was like, wow, this feels great. This is kind of like a recreational thing for me. But as I would continue to grow the business, continue to be more stressed out as a business would grow, the revenue scale, so too does the stress. I would start using it for stress and it really helped. And also along this time, uh, the mother of my kids and I would go on these Bitcoin road trips where we would get a whole lot of Bitcoin. Hundreds of Bitcoin would be contributed through the sponsorships and we would spend all of them, which I wish now we wouldn't have done. But <laughs> yeah, this would like been Bitcoin's 300 bucks or $1,200. And so we would go through and I was driving a converted school bus. Never driven a converted school bus before. Four tons, 40 feet. Pretty, pretty hardcore with my kids in the back. And so we had all these obligations. Not only are we traveling, we got to get to the meetup where we're going to meet with the group and teach them about Bitcoin, but we have sponsor obligations. I was doing a podcast at the time, Sovereign BTC. It's like people gave us thousand bucks, five thousand bucks. We're committed to promote their business or crypto company. And I'm feeling anxious because I got to get to my next stop. I got to stop to entertain the kids. I'm driving this big freaking bus that's so overwhelming. I don't know what the hell I'm doing, but I'm doing it anyway. <laughs> And I would feel tension. And one of the very few times in my life, I had tension to the point where I felt like I was having a panic attack and I had a tightness in my chest. And so I remembered, oh, shit, I have Kratom in the back. So I went and poured a drink. This is one of my first big ahas with my personal use of Kratom. I went and poured a drink, just like a teaspoon. Literally, as I'm drinking it, that tension is lifted right away. And as I said before, not only is that tension lifted for me, but it also changed my mindset. It allowed me to be more abundant and not so afraid. And I thought, you know, even though I'm a couple of days behind on publishing these podcasts, everyone really appreciates the work that we're doing. And they're not going to be upset if we fall a couple of days behind. We're doing good work. And it like totally changed my entire evening, right? I wasn't driving like this. It was like, ah, okay, this is cool. Maybe I'll pull over at 2 a.m. now. Um, so... That was my first big aha moment. And it was that coupled with all of the people that were having aha moments around. One of the primary uses is folks use it to help get off of opioids, like Percocet, Vicodin, Oxycontin is a really strong one. Fentanyl is an extremely strong one. There's this huge opioid epidemic, but it's not just the opioids. Uh, my girlfriend, for example, she was dependent on Adderall for years and years and years. She was started, I think she was prescribed it either in high school or college, right? This is just something when a child doesn't fit into the mold that government schools want them to fit into, then they say there must be something wrong with them. And rather than, this is the great thing about homeschooling and unschooling. If you have a child that is maybe a little hyper or their mind wanders and stuff, you can kind of fit that, help, help mold the education to their personality. What happens in government schools is they're like, no, we need to mold this whole automaton, right? So we need to give them pharmaceuticals back to this thing right here. And so she was taking Adderall, she was dependent on it, she used it in her career, and she found herself using it when she would feel overwhelmed by a big inbox of emails. Holy shit, I got so much to do. There's no way I'm not gonna be able to do this without Adderall. She was conscious that she didn't wanna take Adderall anymore, but she couldn't quit. She felt like she needed it. So she would reach into her desk drawer and pull out an Adderall, or maybe a couple. She would take more than the dose. And then she'd be like in the zone, but it would diminish her personality. She's very bright, loving. They called her Pinkie Pie, one of the My Little Ponies for the parents out there. Or maybe there's Bronies. That's a name for guys that are in 
I don't know if this is a brony kind of crowd, actually. <laughs> Jack has the hint tattoo that I know. Jake's the brony. Jake's the brony. So when we started dating, I'm like, hey, you know, I got this stuff, white lightning kratom, that a lot of people find luck with focus and energy and when they're feeling overwhelmed by stuff. And I just finished this awesome book called The Power of Habit that breaks down the elements of a habit, right? So first there's a stimuli, then there's a response, and then you carry out the habit because it has a positive feeling for you or it's something that you like, right? So for her, the stimulus was, holy shit, I can't believe I have this many emails. This is gonna be really hard to do. Her response was, I feel anxious. The stimulus is the emails, the response is I feel anxious, then the habit is reach for the kratom. So if you understand this pattern, you can interrupt it, you can hack it essentially. So same habit stack, right? But instead of reaching for the Adderall, I was like, why don't you just reach for the Kratom and mix yourself up a drink? So that's what she began to do. She would drink heavily as well as a means of pumping the brakes, she would say, because Adderall is literally like legal meth. It's, it's methamphetamine, there's just a couple of chemicals different. And so she would drink after work and she would drink a lot and she would drink often. And so because of the Kratom, she was able to put the Adderall and in turn, she hasn't had a drink in like six months. So super proud of her. Um, and that's again, the magic of Kratom and how it helps. It really helps a lot of people. So um, let me talk about why the government wants to ban it because it's like, wow, this is so great. This crowd is well aware of the phenomenon called revolving door where you have heads of pharmaceutical companies, heads of vaccine companies. They then take up positions in regulators, FDA, CDC, all sorts of stuff. They make their buddies money. They still have stocks in the companies. And then they go back to the private sector, to the public sector. This is how it works. Thankfully, now so many people are aware that government just totally sucks. It's not hard to get people like, that's not what happens. They genuinely look out for our best interests. <laughs> so... I told you all earlier about the DEA trying to ban Kratom. When they were unsuccessful, shortly thereafter, it was revealed that it was actually the FDA that was behind the DEA push to ban Kratom. And when they weren't successful at doing it at the federal level, just like the Agenda 21 goons, they did an end run around the federal level and started going to county health boards and state legislators to try to ban Kratom. Now, Kratom is illegal in six states, Alabama, Indiana, Vermont, not Louisiana, Wisconsin, Indi or is it Indiana, Rhode Island, and one other place you probably don't want to be anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I should know all these by heart because I certainly won't ship something there. It's a felony in these states. Now, at the state level, originally I was like, well, that's just big pharma. It's all a big pharma conspiracy. But I think really what they did, the state legislatures in their ignorance, they likely, when they banned K2 spice, right? This is something that's like rampant in the homeless population. It's a synthetic cannabis, but it like really gets you jacked up. Have you ever seen people who are like, it's probably K2. So they like went to head shops where Kratom is sold and they tried to, they banned the K2 and they're like, well, what's this? I don't know. We don't know about it. Got a K in it. It's got to be bad. So they banned it too. But at the federal level, it's more evident that in fact, it's a total propaganda campaign. So one of the struggles in selling Kratom is that when I talk to people about it and they don't like get a sample to try or whatever, it's just a passing conversation, they'll go home and Google Kratom. Kratom. The first articles that come up 
CDC says 91 Kratom-related deaths, Kratom overdose in, in Philadelphia or whatever. And so over the past few years, since 2016, the FDA has put out a whole lot of propaganda, as has the CDC. And a lot of the propaganda centers around the concept of a Kratom-related death. Many people that study COVID are also familiar with the same phenomenon. So just as in Florida, there was someone that died in a motorcycle accident who was happened to be COVID positive. It was a COVID death. So too is the guy that had Kratom in his system and was shot. That's one of their Kratom-related deaths. So too was the guy that fell off a second story and had Kratom in the system. So too are the dozens of people that had Kratom in their system along with fentanyl, heroin, all sorts of other pharmaceuticals. So it's, it's a total propaganda campaign, but it's made it difficult for me. But I've continued and persisted and found ways around it. The pre-ounce is one of my ways to overcome all this stuff because I've had Facebook videos pulled down. I've had YouTube videos pulled down. I don't have a Facebook advertising account anymore, which is detrimental as a activist, as a advertiser. But it's like, good, now I'm not going to give my money to Zuckerberg anyway. Um, and there's this whole big tech Big tech's part of this big crew as well, and they shut down information about all, all sorts of stuff. Additionally, there's this program by the Department of Justice under Obama called Operation Choke Point. Operation Choke Point is the federal government pressuring the banks who in turn say the credit card companies can't do business with Kratom, CBD, head shops, adult toy store, gun vendors. These are some of my favorite industries here. And here they are making it hard for me to use cars. So there's always ways. And, you know, if you're going to be an agorist, if you're going to be in an undesirable industry, you really have to go the extra mile to make it successful. So instead of doing credit cards, debit cards, we do e-check, so electronic check. Of course, cryptocurrency. Although I had a cryptocurrency plug-in say I can't do business with them because I sold Kratom. It's like, this is what crypto is supposed to all be about. But it was a third-party company. So it has been a struggle, but I continue on because I am an activist and it does help so many people. So there's a lot of my clients in the audience. It's been great to talk with you and meet you in person. Um, I love to help people with this. There's other products that I sell. I'm going to talk about CBD here in a sec, but it's just a super passionate gig for me to be involved in. It's great that there's a nexus and something that I'm passionate about, and it also feeds my family. So I'd be happy to talk with folks about marketing or entrepreneurship as well. Because as I talk about the freedom cells, they're going to start putting pressure points on the company stuff, like wearing a mask or having a vaccine. Entrepreneurship is a great way to have more freedom in your life. Although there's some give and take because it's hard. And when you got to make the money and run the company and pay yourself, it can be stressful. But we have a community of people here to support us, right? Jack supported me, had me on his program. That was a great boost for my business. And it allowed me to work with you guys and everything. So we need to support each other. How am I doing on time? Half hour. Okay. So that's Kratom, and we can talk more about it. Again, help yourself to some. Let's talk about CBD. CBD is a cannabinoid. So is THC. THC is the big popular cannabinoid in the 60s, 70s. Everyone's smoking up, getting hot. They come from the cannabis plant. Our body has an endocannabinoid system. That's why it's so ridiculous that Kratom was illegal for so long because there's so much beauty and synergy and interconnectivity between us and nature, right? And cannabis is one of those magic plants. So the CBD cannabinoid, it interacts with the CB2 receptor, which is in the spleen. The, C the THC cannabinoid interacts with the THC receptor, 
I'm sorry, the CB1 receptor, which is in the brain. CB1 receptor, THC gets you high. CB2 receptor, it helps to bring about homeostasis and balance in the body, which is precisely why if you're experiencing pain or discomfort, chances are it's because of inflammation, right? Not chances are, it is inflammation. So CBD is like, take the CBD, there's inflammation, let's stimulate the body's systems to go deal with that inflammation, help it to settle down and come to a greater state of balance. So CBD, a lot of people take it for pain, for relaxation. It too takes the edge off. People take CBD for stress and for help with sleep. That's the primary reason why I take CBD. Um, sometimes I struggle to stay asleep soundly through the night, and that helps me to have a good night's rest. I was chatting with someone earlier. They were saying that it helps them to fall asleep. So it's amazing. It's crazy that it just became officially legal. Again, everyone's like, what do we do? It's gray. Is it legal? Is it not legal? I'm like, it helps people. I can earn a living from it. Let's do it and sort it out later kind of deal. So that's CBD. And CBD oil is one of the most common ways and most easy ways to take the CBD. You can drop it beneath your tongue and it'll absorb into your system. Now, I, if anybody wants to try this, um, I'm going to pass it around. Again, be super conscious of dropping it in your mouth. Like don't stick the whole thing in your mouth. Just kind of do one of those. And maybe take like a quarter of a dropper, which is a moderate amount, or maybe ha uh, an eighth of a dropper um, so we don't burn through it. And remember, don't use the LSD vial, which is right here. I'm just kidding. All right, so that's, if somebody wants to try that, they Remember, can. if you have to pee for work, a lot of the drug tests don't test for THC. They just test for cannabis, period. So if you have any sort of <laughs> I would. Well, that's a good disclaimer. I have heard, I've learned otherwise that the test is for THC specifically. Now, on that note, CBD, it's supposed to have less than 0.3% THC to be legal. That CBD has much less than 0.3%. So unless it's a super strong test that's very cued in, chances are you'll be fine. But weigh that risk on your own if you have a job or if you get drug tested regularly, whatever. Take that into consideration. Especially... I don't know that it would even matter using it like that, but I've had people in my audience using CBD regularly, lose yeah. jobs. Yeah. Just. Because it's not about legality, it's about your employer's policies. Yeah, it's about your job. Eventually, people will, eventually, everyone else is going to catch up that. Create CBD and cannabis is just totally the chill. CDL license. CDL or military, yes. Yeah. Yeah. All right, bring it back to CBD. Okay, so that's one way to consume CBD. Another way, let me walk over here, and because I have this awesome wireless mic, this amazing video company over here, I can walk and still talk to you guys. Another way to consume CBD is through straight up CBD flour which is like weed. I'm going to do a free offer of this. I was thinking about doing free weed or free gram of weed.com to be kind of provocative. But this is CBD flower. And by law, I have to have the certificate of analysis on the back. This one has 0.27% THC. So it's just right up there under the legal limit. This, Jack would tell you otherwise, but this is, I think it gets you high, super duper subtle. Like when you used to smoke pot in high school, 
it kind of looked like this. This is probably better than the, the shit from high school. This would be what we called flame. Oh, it's the flame, bro. This is before all the high high end stuff. The flame, man. But this is good because you can smoke it and just smoking a doobie to relax, sit on the back patio. It's an enjoyable thing to do. It also helps with pain. It also helps take the edge off. And in my opinion, I may just be lightweight. It gives you a subtle high and it's legal in all 50 states, which is super cool. The shitty state of Texas tried to, through regulation, not through law, they tried to say that you can't sell consumable CBD flour or vape in the state of Texas. It was completely ridiculous because you could still buy it in Texas from Colorado or from any other vendor in Oklahoma. It would have just really hurt businesses. I didn't stop selling CBD flour. I just made sure my website didn't say anything about smoking it. This is some really good potpourri. <laughs> but thankfully, there were some CBD vendors that bought it in court. They asked for an injunction. They won that injunction. It's waiting to go to trial. But it's such a ridiculous thing because, again, consumers would still be able to get it. Texas is really behind the curve when it comes to cannabis law. Last session, the Compassionate Use Act was passed that allows for mainly CBD heavy buds, but also a little bit over 0.3% THC. I think it was like under 3% or something really small. And there, because it helps with a few other conditions here and there. But really at the end of the day, it's the full spectrum of cannabinoids. There's more than just CBD and THC. It's that whole synergistic thing that, you know, if you're a Christian, God intended it to be that way or nature intended that gift for human beings so we could jive together better. And when you start taking it away and nitpicking this and that, it doesn't allow for optimal benefit for human beings. So that's CBD flower. Now, this is a new one. This isn't CBD. You can also vape CBD as well. And I hear there's CBD coffee over there in the back. Uh, it's gone now. There was. This I just started carrying. And man, this is a legal loophole for agorists out there. This is Delta-8 THC, so it is THC. However, it's legal because it comes from the hemp plant. And the farm bill that was passed a few years ago and signed by Donald Trump legalized the hemp plant and CBD from the hemp plant. So the actual THC everyone's familiar with, all you guys, I know, is uh, Delta-9 THC. This is some molecules and chemicals different than Delta-9, it's Delta-8. It gets you really high. It almost gets you, it's, it gets it too high for me, for my liking. The first time that I got it and I wanted to try it, my supplier was like, really got to try this stuff. It's great. It's the latest craze in the CBD community. And I don't usually do vape pens. So I was like, okay, let's give it a try. I'm going to be, I'm going to take it slow. So I'm like sucking on the vape pen. Vapes really, you can't really feel the vape so much. And I took so much damn vape. I had a huge coffer. My staff person was like, dude, you're going to be so stoned. And I was really fucking stoned. It was crazy. And it was so much. It was like paranoid high. And I was like, whoa, this is crazy. Um, but then as I, I was like, breathe, John, you're going to be okay. Then I got really creative and wrote some great marketing copy that day. <laughs> so that's still good when you were not high. That's a good question. What do you mean? Well, sometimes when you're high, you do something and you think you're a genius. Right. Oh, you okay. actually record what you did. When you're not high, it's not so good anymore. No, it was really I good. I mean, I don't know that I've 
It was good. Some of y'all got the email about the presidential campaign. Everyone's going to be freaking out. I'm going to be chilling as I always am. Because I've got some super potent Kratom and I don't have a pony, a skin in the game. It's like, it was a little better than that. Maybe I was just really. Okay, so that's Delta 8, THC, new, loophole, legal. And the thing is, it's like, oh, it's a loophole. Are they going to go in and close the loophole? Well, I think the trend is towards legalization, towards acceptance. Can I ask you about that loophole? Because I thought it was like it got legalized by the farm bill, but the FDA is still trying to crunch down. So now those two departments are going back. Have you read about that? I haven't. The FDA still thinks that's the loophole, too. The FDA. So they also. They think that Kratom shouldn't be sold as a dietary supplement either. And they believe that it has no health benefit whatsoever. So there's always this struggle as a Kratom vendor. Originally, a lot of Kratom vendors, they would like sell it as soap <laughs> or like foot powder or whatever. And so, or, yeah, early on, I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to put anything on the package about suggested serving size. But that created a moral hazard because if someone tries Kratom for the first time and they get a tablespoon instead of a teaspoon and they get a big old scoop, they're like, oh, this looks great. I always take a lot of my stuff, cacao powder or whatever. Then they drink it. They could feel nauseous, maybe throw up, just not be a good experience for them, right? Or if they're like on a bunch of other medications or their health isn't in good shape, that could be a bad experience. So that's how the government, that's like, we're the FDA. We want to protect you. But they create that moral hazard where a lot of Kratom vendors, in order to minimize risk, they don't even put suggested serving size. Along the way, I was like, I can't do that. I think that's not an ethical thing to do to know that that could take place. So I, I have a suggested serving size in my thing. And then I changed up my label so it's a little bit more compliant with what dietary supplements are supposed to look like. So it's an ongoing struggle. Um, one quick thing, I was talking about Karen's earlier. There's an organization that is a Kratom association. They do a lot of great work. Whenever there is a state that wants to ban Kratom, they come in and push what's called the Kratom Consumer Protection Act. It has been passed in a handful of states, Kansas, Kansas and Utah being one of them, definitely Utah. And so as a market anarchist, I think that the best regulation out there is the market itself and personal responsibility on behalf of the consumers, right? Word of mouth, reviews. One thing that the Kratom Consumer Protection Act does is it requires a certain concentration of one of the active alkaloids in Kratom, 7-hydroxymetrogranine, to be below a certain amount. So this necessitates testing for the alkaloid concentration, which increases costs. But also it's like, why the hell does that have to be below that certain level? It also requires in some states in the bill's iteration to register with the state government. So while it's an improvement upon it, whether it's, it's better than it being prohibited, right? It's still not cool. Okay, so that's essentially Kratom in a nutshell. One more thing, one of the greatest benefits of Kratom for people that are in a tough spot is when they're like really strongly addicted to opioids or really strongly addicted to heroin even. Kratom helps to minimize the withdrawal symptoms for people to transition from that really scary addiction over to sobriety. So that is one of the reasons why people really, really magically benefit from it because it's hard to quit that stuff. Essentially when you're taking a bunch of opioids or serotonin reuptake inhibitors or anxiety medicine, your body's 
systems, they become dependent on that external source to send the signals to push out hormones and endorphins and stuff. And so when you stop taking the substance, your body's dependent on that and it needs to relearn how to push out endorphins, for example, with the opioid receptor. And so a lot of people, they're like, this fucking sucks. I feel anxious, angst, I'm vomiting, withdrawal symptoms, and they just go back to the substance. Well, Kratom is a great transition. Now, I should say, let's talk about side effects or the downside of Kratom. There's not a whole lot of just straight side effects. If you take a whole lot of it, you can be constipated. So my dad has like, mix it up with psyllium husk and you'll be okay. Um, your mouth can be a little dry, especially if you're hitting the Delta-8 THC as well. Um, as far as like, I'm not a doctor. I should have started with that. Um, not to fool anybody over here. But as far as like contraindications, which is where you take something and you take something else and they don't clash with one another. There's one type of pharmaceutical that I've researched that's not a good one to take, and that's an MAOI inhibitor, which, what, what are those for? Depression. Depression? Okay. So that's something to be conscious of. Um, but even that, it's not like you take it and then you're in trouble. Um, it's that the enzymes that they both interact with could not be ideal. So I just wanted to throw that out there. Um, that's also why when I encourage people to try Kratom, I caution them to start really small. If it's your first time to take it on a full stomach or at least on a snack, um, that'll help minimize the risk of nausea or feeling funny. Maybe like one out of 100 people or maybe one out of 200, when they take Kratom for the first time, they feel funny. And they're like, that's not for me. I, I felt weird. I felt nauseous. Most other people enjoy it. But to mitigate that, I encourage people to take it on a full stomach. To start with a small amount, like half a teaspoon in around 12 to 16 ounces of water. That way you can slowly drink it over the course of 30 minutes to an hour. You can listen to your body. When it comes to health and natural health, one of the most important things is being in tune with your body, more so than your doctor, more so than the Dr. McCola blog or whatever. Be in tune with your body and listen because your body sends you signals. And when you know how to interpret those signals, you can respond to help your body find an ideal state. So that's why I encourage people to start real small. So if you're drinking and you're like, this actually feels kind of good. And you can continue to drink it slowly. But if you're drinking it and it's you're like, oh, I don't know about this, then you can pull away from it. Just throw that out there. Now, the, the biggest concern with Kratom is that if you take a whole lot of it, so there's a lot of folks that were pounding opioids or dependent on heroin or drinking a whole lot of alcohol, and they're like, wow, Kratom helped me quit that. Now they're just pounding the Kratom. Now, this is an example of harm reduction because when I'm during my career selling Kratom, they'd be like, what are you doing? You're getting people who's addicted to Kratom. You're a terrible person. It's like a lot of the people that do actually become physically dependent on Kratom, they were formerly physically dependent on Percocet or heroin even. So it's a great example of harm reduction, right? Because the Kratom's not going to kill you, unlike what the FDA would tell you. I'm not going to say that it can't kill you because you could kill yourself drinking too much water, right? But it's highly unlikely, especially when compared to pounding opioids or heroin. So I like to say that Kratom isn't addictive. There's this guy named Dr. Gabor Mate that does, he's a medical doctor, but he also works with folks on addiction in the homeless community, especially. And he says there's two elements to an addiction. One is that it causes some form of harm. So maybe it's really harming your body or it's harming your relationships or you're like stealing from your mom's purse so you can go get your next fix. So it harms you. Two, you keep doing it anyway and you know that it's harmful. That's the definition of addiction, in my opinion, from this guy, Gabo Monte. 
contrast that with a physical dependency, your body becomes dependent. It's not good. It's not ideal, but it's better than being addicted and having all sorts of harmful stuff. So there are some people that do become dependent on Kratom. And when they try to quit, they experience withdrawal symptoms. I like to say mild withdrawal symptoms, but then I found this Reddit subreddit that was like a, uh, detoxing from Kratom and stuff. And there's all these horror stories of people having really bad experiences. Some people say it's worse than detoxing from heroin. Never detox from heroin, so I can't compare it. I can say this. I take Kratom every day. And I encourage people to take breaks from Kratom. The way that people get involved in a trap of addiction or dependency is because you continue to take a substance and then you find yourself needing to take more to have the same desired effect, whether it's alcohol, uh, opioids, all sorts of stuff. And medical doctors, they get you on the solution, their solution of opioids, but they don't tell you how to transition away from it. So a lot of people find themselves completely trapped without any direction. And one of the medical doctors' direction is to go to a methadone clinic. And then they get hooked on the methadone or suboxone, which a lot of people use Kratom to transition from. But to avoid the tolerance, if Kratom does become a regular part of your daily consumption, you take breaks occasionally. So if you take Kratom for two weeks straight, then maybe take a couple days off. Or if you take it for a month straight, then maybe take three to five days off. There are people that haven't taken days off in a long time, and they don't report any problems. One of the things that is something to be to watch out for is drinking that much of anything, not to mention that it has some pretty strong alkaloids that have an effect on your body. The alkaloids are the active compounds in Kratom that have the, the therapeutic effect. Um, it could be taxing on your liver and your kidneys. I've seen numerous anecdotal reports, however, that state I've been drinking Kratom straight for many, many years, and I just got my liver enzymes checked out and everything was okay. I'm a big believer in everything's in moderation. And again, I'm in tune with my body. So whenever I've been drinking, like I said, I went through a divorce before and I was really relying on the Kratom to help me stay cool. Um, I, my body's like, I think it's my kidneys. They're like, hold on, buddy. Slow down there a little bit. This is a little much. You're really overworking us. So that's my signal. Okay, I need to take a few days off. I will say, even though I drank Kratom for like three months straight and then take a couple of days break, a few days break, I never experienced like dramatic, crazy withdrawal symptoms. It might be because... I moderate my dose throughout the whole thing. I don't let myself start taking more and more. Um, I did feel restless legs trying to fall asleep, and I did find myself a little bit more irritable. I think that might have been the default state. Maybe I got some work to do or shift my lifestyle design because that's maybe just how I normally was, and the Kratom masks that because it helps to take the edge off. Uh, the active alkaloids, they stimulate the opioid receptors, also the serotonin and dopamine receptors, which is why it enhances your mood and helps with stress, anxiety, depression as well. So um, that is something to look out for. If it does become a regular part of your daily routine, then you're going to want to take breaks, switch between the types. If you start to develop a tolerance with one, switch to another. But if it's used responsibly, there really are very few side effects that you can about. Another thing on the drug test thing, there are some people that pound the Kratom and then get a positive for like opioids. So there's controversy as to whether or not Kratom is an opioid. Of course, the government wants people to believe it's an opioid because there's a lot of negative connotation with opioid. If you define a substance that stimulates the opioid receptors as an opioid, Kratom is an opioid. Unlike the traditional opioids, there's this doctor in Florida, Dr. Christopher McCurdy, 
he gave this great analogy that like Vicodin, Percocet, imagine your opioid receptors as a piano. They come in and they really hit the keys really hard, banging on those opioid receptors, in turn pushing out signals and neurotransmitters. The Kratom also plays the piano, but it does so very subtly. That's why the Kratom isn't as dependency-inducing as the opioids. It's not as bad for your opioid receptors. So, that's Kratom in a nutshell.